This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day 31 of the 60-day legislative session. If you've been waiting on a COVID shot, get ready. The age restrictions for adults are gone beginning Monday, and the governor says Florida will receive a record amount of vaccine next week. Between what we're doing with pharmacies and then what we're doing with all the other avenues, that's going to be over a million shots, initial shots, that are going to be landing in Florida next week. Ron DeSantis is planning to get his own vaccination before the end of the week. So I became eligible on Monday. I haven't had it yet, but I am, I am planning on doing it this week. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to do it on camera. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if you guys want a gun show, maybe we could do it, but probably better off not. The governor is also asking state lawmakers to give teachers and principals a $1,000 bonus for getting schools reopened during the pandemic. The Senate Health Policy Committee approves a bill saying transgender kids cannot play on the girls' team unless they take a testosterone test. I have a lot of granddaughters. I do not want to see some big male who thinks he's a woman or is convinced he's a woman knocking them down on the ground. That's dangerous. LGBTQ advocates are wondering what lawmakers will do next. If you decide to go this direction, you are basically signing up for genital inspections of middle and high school students. That's what you're signing up for if you decide to say, hey, we'd like to go with the House bill rather than this one. Speaking of which, the House votes today on the Parental Bill of Rights that would require schools to out gay students to their parents, even if it would put those kids in danger. Another hole in the Sunshine Law, a Senate committee votes to exempt the home addresses of lawmakers from the public records law. Senator Ray Rodriguez says the current climate is so toxic that lawmakers need protection from angry constituents. The simple truth is the world we live in today is not even the world we lived in when I got elected to the legislature uh, with you, Senator Torres, back in 2012. We're, we're in a different world these days. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida woman accused of stabbing her roommate over $60 in federal stimulus money. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. This public health crisis has shown our one-size-fits-all education system does not meet the needs of every child. Senate Bill 48 rethinks education and provides needed flexibility for students and families, giving students the tools and resources they need to unleash their potential. You can make a difference and improve our education system by visiting fledreform.com to tell your lawmaker to support SB 48. Paid for by Americans Prosperity, Florida. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, April 1st. This is April Fool's Day, of course, National Burrito Day, and International Fun at Work Day. On this date in 1778, a New Orleans businessman by the name of Oliver Pollock created the dollar symbol. In 1924, Adolf Hitler was sentenced to five years' labor for the beer hall pushed in Munich. He was released in just nine months because he had friends in the government who supported his right-wing, white nationalist agenda. And in 1974, Pioneer Hall opened at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground in Lake Buena Vista. Florida's Department of Health reported almost 5,300 new cases of COVID Wednesday and 89 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 34,072. More than 3,300,000 Floridians have completed the vaccination process. That's about 15% of the state population. Governor Ron DeSantis wants to reward Florida teachers for getting the schools open last year in spite of the COVID crisis. He's proposing a $1,000 bonus for teachers and principals. 
We've seen folks work really hard all throughout the state, and we really appreciate it. And as, as a token of the appreciation, today I'm proposing um, and, and announcing my request to the legislature uh, to dedicate another $216 million so that we could do $1,000 bonuses for public school principals and classroom teachers for grades pre-K through 12. This proposal will provide a bonus to more than 3,600 principals and nearly 180,000 full-time classroom teachers. So similar to my proposal for a bonus for first responders, our Florida teachers and school principals uh, have put students' success first uh, throughout uh, the course of the coronavirus pandemic. And so we're asking the legislature, since they're in session, uh, and we'd like that to be appropriated during the session so that we can get these checks out as soon as possible. And so uh, having the doors open has been a huge, huge success. It's been very important to so many families. You know, we have people who move from these other states just because we have schools uh, open. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible, the frustration in some of these other places. And so it's been a huge, huge thing. Uh, we think that the legislature will look favorably upon this, and um, we think it's something that's very appropriate, given uh, the great work that's been done throughout the state of Florida during this school year. Beginning Monday, the governor is dropping the age limits so any adult can sign up for COVID vaccinations, and he says the state is expecting a record amount of vaccine next week. So these will be the vaccines that will hit probably Monday or Tuesday of next week. And uh, we got our first big tranche of Johnson & Johnson. So we had gotten, we got about 160,000 to start, then it, then it went down 25, 50, some thousand. And we knew that it was gonna, that it was gonna do that. Now we're gonna get over 300,000 J&J uh, that's gonna come uh, Monday, Tuesday. And so that will then be able to be uh, out for whatever reason, there's a reduction in Pfizer from where we are, but we st we're getting an increase in Moderna. So between J&J &J increase, Moderna increase, even deducting the Pfizer, it's a pretty significant increase. And so, which are, and then with the pharmacies, we're adding more pharmacies too. You know, we've had the big ones, CVS, Publix, Walgreens, Walmart, some of those. We now have some of the smaller pharmacies. Honestly, some of these I had not even heard of, to be honest. But so they're now going to be a part of the federal pharmacy program. So that's a really big force multiplier. But what's going to happen is, you know, now that everyone's going to be eligible on Monday, there'll probably be a little bit of a rush. It will probably start to, to, to be pretty soft as we get into the middle of April. So we're going to keep getting more vaccine, and just basically making it available is probably not going to be enough to get it all utilized. And so I think the message for folks is, that um, you know, certainly the vulnerable folks. We've been very stressing this, but but this is something that's available. It's safe. I think it's been very effective, and we haven't seen everything yet nationwide. I think we're seeing it with nursing homes, uh, with the decline that we've seen there. And I think over the next couple weeks, you're going to see an even bigger decline with the larger elderly population. The fact is, once you get both of those shots, give it a couple weeks, you really are in a situation where. I don't know that we've had very many people who have had a shot get admitted to, to a hospital. I mean, there may, there may have been some, but, but, I mean, not to the extent we would see, you know, normally. And so that's a good thing. So there's going to be more. And I think the J&J &J hopefully will be pretty consistent going forward. So you're looking at, that's going to be over between what we're doing with pharmacies and then what we're doing with all the other avenues. That's going to be over a million shots, initial shots, that are going to be landing in Florida next week. The governor will also be getting his vaccination later this week. He became eligible Monday when the AIDS limit was lowered to 40.
The Health Policy Committee in the Florida Senate approves a bill designed to keep transgendered teens from playing on the girls' teams in high school and college. Senate Bill 2012 says they can only play if they submit to a testosterone test and their levels are low enough to qualify. FSU graduate assistant Vincenza Barato told lawmakers they are meddling with things they do not understand. What if a girl has high testosterone naturally? Is she forced to play on the boys' teams, or are you going to force her to take hormone-altering drugs as a teen, even though she doesn't want to? Hormone classification is messy, and frankly, I don't think the state government is prepared for this. What about kids who are born intersex? There are girls who are born with vulvas but have internal testicles that they're not even aware of. There are boys who are born with penises who have ovaries they don't know about. What sports teams do you want these kids to be on? What if one of these girls or boys are on the wrong team? Are you going to out them to all of their classmates as an intersex child? Who does that protect? Because it's certainly not the child. This is paternalistic, it's misogynistic, it's government overreach, and honestly, I can't believe a Republican would bring forth a bill that is such an invasion of privacy. Get the government out of our locker rooms. On the other side of the issue, you'll find Anthony Verdugo with the Christian Family Coalition of Florida, who says women have to be protected from transgender athletes. Women are the ones that need the protection, the sports that they participate in. They are in a very vulnerable situation right now. These attacks against women's sports are appalling. And not only that, it is, I think, offensive that those who are opposing this bill are doing it under the guise of discrimination. These lofty platitudes and rhetoric are extremely disrespectful. I, too, am offended. The Christian Family Coalition does not support any proposals that legalize discrimination against anyone. That includes people of faith who are always left out of the conversation by the opponents of this bill. And we specifically oppose bills that legalize discrimination against people of faith by LGBT activists and extremists. Those comments got under the skin of Senator Gary Farmer of Broward County, who accused Verdugo of hypocrisy and ignoring the values of his own faith. To hear a group that calls itself the Christian Family Coalition complain that their faith is being discriminated against, that angers me to my core. And it is so inconsistent. And the word hypocritical was used earlier today, but I think it applies to the Christian Family Coalition. Love thy neighbor, do unto others as you would have done unto you. Those are Christian values. And for them to have the nerve to say that they advance equality, but they feel like their faith is being discriminated against, by what? Because a transgender youth wants to play sports, their faith is being discriminated against. This is why we have separation of church and state. We're all entitled to believe and follow the faith we choose. But that doesn't give us the right to legislate in a discriminatory fashion. And that doesn't give people the right to come up to Tallahassee and give testimony that is flat out hurtful, hiding behind the guise of religious morality. That's offensive. But don't tell that to Senator Dennis Baxley of Ocala. He believes transgender athletes are a threat to girls and could end up killing someone. We have young women who are in serious physical danger of being harmed 
in these contact sports, especially. Uh, these are real. Uh, when you have a male body who believes they're a woman or are posing as a woman, I don't know how you actually discern those two, but this is our concern, is not transgenders themselves, but people who will pose in that manner in order to get in a place where they can be competitively advantaged, which could cost somebody their life. I've seen these women, they're horrified at what's happening to women's sports and to competition and to the risk factor that they're in all over this social thing that we're going through as, as a nation of how do we relate to each other. Some things are too far. We try to accommodate and care for everyone. But gracious, I have a lot of granddaughters. I do not want to see some big male who thinks he's a woman or is convinced he's a woman knocking them down on the ground. That's dangerous. We can't just let these social winds blow us into corners that are dangerous for people's lives. Senator Janet Cruz of Tampa says these are scare tactics designed to make discrimination appear to be protection. And she believes Florida will pay a financial price if this bill becomes law. The title is Promoting Equality of Athletic Opportunity Act. But I'm afraid that if we pass this bill, we would be doing the exact opposite. We would be creating yet another vulnerable environment for our transgender students. And these young individuals are already going through arguably the hardest time in their lives. They're trying to figure out who the hell they are. They're simultaneously withstanding the scrutiny and the hatred of a community around them. And instead of discriminating against them, we should be ensuring that our communities are cultivating safe and accepting environments for these students. What kind of message do we send to our transgender students and to their parents? We're, we're, I feel, honestly, that we're legislating a solution on a problem that we don't have. We're targeting one of the most marginalized, most marginalized populations in our country. We spend so much time in this legislature and this Senate trying to protect children. And while this bill does not explicitly state that these individuals will be banned from participating in sports, I think that we can all see the hurdles and the challenges that this legislation would create for them. And you're going to make a potentially depressed kid suicidal, and um, it'll have an effect. We're treading into dangerous waters here, members. We're putting ourselves out of compliance with the Title IX regulations, and we're risking a loss of $9.2 billion in federal education funding. Idaho has a ban on transgender athletes and it's currently facing litigation from the ACLU with possible fees and costs of up to $10 million. Is it really worth it? Losing this money for our schools and subjecting ourselves to costly litigation, all because we feel that transgender athletes don't deserve an equal opportunity to compete. The bill passed by a vote of six to four and moved on to its next stop, the Rules Committee. Now, it's not as strict as the House version, which would ban transgender females from taking part in girls' or women's high school and college teams.
One final note here, for all the brouhaha over transgender athletes, the actual numbers are really quite small. The Florida High School Athletic Association adopted a policy eight years ago allowing transgender students to play on the girls' teams. Since then, there have only been 11. This is not the only bill that targets the LGBTQ community. Representative Aaron Grawl is the sponsor of House Bill 241. HB 241 establishes a new chapter of law called the Parents' Bill of Rights. That is the bill, Mr. Speaker. It all sounds simple, unless, of course, you're in the closet. Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith of Orlando asked Representative Grawl, what happens if you come out to your counselor at school but haven't told your parents? Let's say 16-year-old Carlos is, is asking here. So I'm anxious and nervous about judgment, perhaps physical violence, or even worse, family rejection that I might face uh, if my parents or my father find out about me what he has long suspected. So what I've done is I've now confided in a school social worker about my sexual orientation, and that faculty member would then uh, transcribe the details of our private conversation about my sexuality and their notes. Is the school required to disclose the information that outs me to my parents or are they able to exercise their discretion and respect my right to privacy as a student to not reveal those records and let me handle representative smith i think i think she understands the, the question representative girl you're recognized thank you mr speaker currently those records would be available if they are part of your educational record they would be available to your parent this bill merely states that and cites to that section of law and if the school was concerned that you would be in imminent danger if they gave that information to your father they would also have the opportunity and obligation i believe to contact dcf so the bottom line here is if you're a gay teen and can't talk to your parents, you will not be able to confide in a teacher anymore. And if the only thing the school can do to help you is call the Child Welfare Agency, well, you're screwed. The Parents' Bill of Rights is up for final passage in the House this afternoon. The next time you try to find out where your state lawmakers live, you may be out of luck. A Senate committee has approved a bill saying the home addresses, telephone numbers, and birthdays of lawmakers will no longer be public records. Senator Joe Gruters of Sarasota says no one really wanted to do this, but the toxic nature of modern politics has forced their hand. I will tell you, twice in the last two years, people showed up at my house when I was not there. Uh, and my wife does have little kids, and it's scared in, in asking really... Uh, uh, um, really going, what I would say, over the line, looking for me on certain issues. And, uh, and so I'm glad this is going to be available because it, it is scary when people know that we are out of town and we actually moved to a different neighborhood, which had a gate, which will hopefully protect us a little bit more. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scary thing when people uh, are upset and they show up to your family's house and, and you can't be there. Senator Ray Rodriguez of Lee County says things have gotten so bad they had to call in the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. In my own delegation, in the last term, we had a member that was threatened while he was here in session, and the threat was sufficient enough that FDLE uh, placed a protective detail on him uh, for a period of time until that threat could be uh, taken care of. The simple truth is the world we live in today is not even the world we lived in when I got elected to the legislature 
uh, with you, Senator Torres, back in 2012. We're, we're in a different world these days. And this is a difficult, uh, a difficult balancing act, balancing the public's right to know. I think this bill, which is an opt-in bill, is a good compromise for that. Not everyone will choose to opt-in, but those who feel that they need that security will have that option, which is a good thing. And it's not just Republicans having problems. Senator Linda Stewart is a Democrat from Orlando. It is a difficult uh, time every time we look at public records exemptions, whether that's going to be good or bad for the public. But I will say that I've had a death threat in this last um, like few months ago when uh, we had to get FDLE and everybody involved and they had to uh, they found the person. Now the person has moved. <laughs> we don't know where he is. So um, I, I I am okay with the elected official part of it. What I am concerned about is candidates um, coming and not disclosing the information so that we can be sure that the candidates are where they need to be. Um, but as far as public officials are concerned, we do put ourselves and our family at great risk, as I have found out um, myself personally. So I am telling you, it's not comfortable. The good news is that candidates are not covered by this exemption. They will still have to report their home address so you can figure out if they actually live in the district for which they are running, which has been a recurring problem in the state legislature. Your calendar of events and our daily update on Florida Man is next on the Sunrise Podcast. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license suspensions and help Florida get back to work. Welcome back to the Sunrise Calendar. The Senate Budget Committee meets at 9. At 9.30, the Public Service Commission takes up a plan that would lead to bigger bills for Florida Power and Light customers because of higher-than-expected natural gas costs. FPNL wants more than $300 million. The Florida Supreme Court releases opinions at 11. The House Criminal Justice and Public Safety Subcommittee meets at 12.30. Trustees at Florida State University meet at 1.30. The Senate holds a floor session beginning at 1.30, and the House holds a floor session at 3.30. Finally today, a Florida woman is accused of stabbing her roommate with a steak knife after they got into a fight over $60 of federal stimulus money. Police in Pinellas Park say 77-year-old Dale Nearly was sitting in the backyard with multiple stab wounds in his chest when they arrived. They found his roommate a few blocks away, and the arrest report says she appeared to be under the influence of narcotics. 46-year-old Samantha Clark is charged with attempted murder. That's it for Sunrise. This is Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. 